After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round-tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! 
and thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. Coming up on today's show, I'll discuss Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori, their title fight, a question I've got about the BMF belt, something interesting that Stipe Miocic said, and much more. Before we get to all that, let's begin here. Something is going on with John Jones. I don't know what it is. There's too many clues and there's too many things happening. Let me just give you an example. Within the last hour, John Jones has tweeted twice. One of them had to do with his training, and it was a video attached of him doing some training, which, by the way, looked pretty hard. I mean, I don't know that John has any greater detractors than his own teammates. Stay with me on this. This isn't a put-John-down session. But make sure you understand where I'm coming from, which is when John was making his run very early on, going through everybody, climbing up to a main event, becoming champion. It was his own teammates that hated him. Now, his teammates didn't dislike him because he wasn't a nice guy. It came from jealousy. He would show up late. He would leave early. He'd show up to practice three times a week when they're there three times a day, just by example, and then he would go beat everybody in front of him on fight night. So it was one of these things that created a real envy, but also set his own teammates against him. All the John Jones stories that any of us have ever heard all came from his own teammates, but I'm sharing with you why they had this negative feeling towards him. It was, they were jealous. There's still a message in that, though. The message is that John doesn't show up to the gym very often. That's true. But now he's showing up more and more, at least, according to the social media, at least in the videos that we see, and he looks pretty damn good. I mean, right? Anybody can go turn a camera on and jump on a treadmill. Specific workout that John was doing today. Well, I understand that. I understand that you could go pump some weights around or go hit a bag, and if you're filming it right and you edit it and cut it and you drop it, you look like you're in the gym all the time. What I'm sharing with you is in some of these workouts, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be working out to be able to do them. In some of these where John's pushing these weights around, you can't just pop in one day, put the belt on, and start doing these squats. There was a whole bunch of days that turned into a whole bunch of weeks into a whole bunch of months so that you could do that much weight for the video that you released and put out. So John's working pretty hard. I have a very good level of understanding that he's in pretty good shape, which is something that John Jones, according to his own teammates, didn't do in the best of times. I was on the Ultimate Fighter with him, saw it with my own eyes. I worked out twice a day, every day. That's how much we were in the gym. I did every single workout twice a day, every day. He didn't break a sweat. He did not break a sweat while we were there. So I'm speaking to you from a perspective of this is a guy that likes to go to the training camp. He's one of those guys. He's not real active or real busy outside of when a fight is signed, but he is right now. He's doing a lot. He's staying active. Why? That's very abnormal. In conjunction with, we found out that he parted ways with his managers three days ago. Three days prior to that, it was revealed that his managers had asked for a price tag that was just too far apart. There's no negotiation. There's nothing to talk about. We're just too far apart. So all of these things start lining up. Then you have Francis Ngannou responding to a call out by Tyson Fury 
You have Francis accepting the Tyson Fury fight after he gets done with Jones. But the headlines are all telling us that it's Lewis. So there, there, there's something very baffling going on here. And there's a lot of options for John. And his Twitter feed, it's it's tough. It's tough. He should have somebody else do it. There's misspelled words. There's things that you have to put up with because it's it's John. But he was also bragging about a six-pack a month from now. I will have a six-pack a month a month from now. I've never heard about anybody bragging about a six-pack a month from now. Six-packs are for drug addicts and teenagers. I don't know any grown man that's talking about a six-pack, but he's saying he's going to have one. He's saying he's going to have one a month from now. Now, that also happens to line up right when you would be going into camp if you were getting ready to fight Francis Ngannou. I don't know that this is happening. But things are happening very fast. Things are evolving. Francis said he's going to fight Jones. I believe he said it on accident. I believe he said the wrong name. But he said it nonetheless. And he said it three days after John parted ways with his managers who botched a negotiation according to what we were told three days before that. And John's in training. He's staying at heavyweight. A lot of good options for John, right? He's already been said that he could fight for a title at heavyweight, but John could always go back down to 205 pounds. There's a little bit of a new coat of paint in there. Blahovich is doing a good job with that division. I mean, there's a couple of options for John. He doesn't appear to be doing that. He's even got visions that he's going to have a six-pack in a month. So what is happening? If you were to take all those clues and you were to put those together... If John Jones didn't train back when he used to have fights, but he's in the gym now, what does that mean? Is that he's a little older? He's a little wiser? Sure, those could be some guesses. But put yourself in John's shoes. You didn't have motivation back when you had to have motivation, back when you were trying to achieve a goal, back when you needed the prize, and you still didn't have the motivation. You now, as we've been told, are in a botched negotiation that would deplete anybody. Right? You start working hard, you start getting your mind around something, you find out that dream's not going to happen. That would bring anybody down. So Mr. Unmotivated, who couldn't be motivated back when he needed to be motivated, is all of a sudden motivated because we've after a botched negotiation, which would bring a normal person down, at least a degree. I mean, it would kind of, ah, darn it. But it didn't do it with him. There's a lot going on here. There's more than meets the eye here. Francis says he's fighting Jones. Very possible that Francis misspoke. Derek Lewis says he's fighting Francis. John Jones is preparing for something. I'm curious what it is. So staying with the heavyweight division, we know by now that Francis Ngannou versus anyone is going to be a big fight. But there's another interesting development happening on a potential opponent for Francis. So I'm pen pals with Stipe's wife. She's very responsive. We text. I get updates. I find out what's going on. But she's been hard to reach lately. And so I didn't know how to interpret that. I quit. Hey, you know, how's he doing? Give me an update. What are we looking at? When's he looking to return? I, I stopped doing that. I just kind of elected myself mayor of Get the Hintville. But I just got some Stipe news. 
And I love it. Stipe, his own words, says he's going to come back against Francis again, but be 250 pounds. And he said, I was around 240. I ended up at 230, but that was on accident. That was just from training. And so he wants to come back and do it again at 250. And I bring that to you because if we're going to do something and expect a different result, something has to be different. We can't do the same thing over and over again and think that something's going to change. To get something different, you have to do something different. And I'm in. I'm in. I mean, I really do think that that's interesting for Stipe to say. And he said why he was going to get to 250. He said, because Francis is big. He's a big guy. I had problems with that strength and size. I could feel it. Now, I don't totally remember that. I know that they had one wrestling exchange. I know that they got locked up and Francis looked pretty good in it. I remember thinking that was a real positive for Stipe at the time that it happened. I remember thinking, this is a positive. more you can get this big guy wrestling, the better. Stipe didn't go back to it, and in fairness, maybe it's because he didn't have time. It ended up being kind of a short night, but... He still felt something. Whether I saw it or you saw it, he felt it. And his takeaway was simply, I need to put on size. Now, don't forget Stipe at 250. And let's go back to that number. That's 20 pounds bigger. right? Don't forget, Stipe wasn't 240 for this. Stipe was 240 when he became the champion. Stipe dropped down 232 230.6 one time, 230 pounds. Stipe at 250, a true 250. Let's just imagine a true 250. And he's not going to have a lot of fat on the bone. He just can't, right? He just works too hard. He trains too hard. If he is able to reconfigure his body, change his physiology with as much as he works out, it's going to be hard to do. Putting on 20 pounds of muscle, that's a really hard thing to do. But if, if he does it, it's going to require extreme discipline, but this is a man of discipline. It's going to ex require extreme dedication, but this is a man of dedication. It's very interesting. 250 pounds Stipe, I never loved it when he was 230. If you guys will recall that, he beats Daniel Cormier. He weighs 240. I apologize. He loses to Daniel Cormier, but he weighed in at 240. When he beat Verdum, by example, he's 240. He comes in for part two against Cormier. He gets on the scale. He's 230.6 pounds. People are tearing up their ticket. People that bet on him. The line instantly moved. You want to talk about a picture's worth a thousand words? When we saw that Stipe Miocic took off 10 pounds, it was terrible. Now, he goes out. We all had it wrong. He not only beats Daniel, he stops Daniel. He not only stops Daniel, he outworked Daniel. So that 10 pounds of which you might think is weakness because he was lean to start with turned out, transferred right into cardio. It was one of these things. He could go harder longer. It was one of these things, but we didn't know. We had to see it. So I bring that to you because a lot has been made of Stipe's weight, even if we guessed wrong, even if we went in the wrong direction. 250 the right way? That's a very different fight. And Stipe versus Ngano, that size was so glaringly obvious. And I mean, I could remember two weeks before that fight happened, Izzy Adesanya comes in second at 205 pounds. But you could, there was a meaningful size difference. Adesanya versus Blahovich had a meaningful size difference. So it, it was no sweat off, off the champ's chin. Nobody looked down on him. Nobody judged him. He just moved up a little higher than he could go, and he went 25 minutes right. But you remember the story. 
Nothing bad happened to Izzy. However, two weeks later, the same thing, only with a greater difference, happens to Stipe, and we're trying to brush him out. And we're brushing him out because, well, that's heavyweight. There's a bigger gap. To, well, it's the same story. We're talking about pounds. We're talking about a meaningful advantage went to Blahovich. A meaningful advantage went to Engano. Izzy gets a pass and Stipe gets pushed into retirement, right? It just wasn't fair. It was weird. The whole thing was strange. And I couldn't believe how many pundits let it go. Couldn't believe how many people let this slide. Now we're hearing from the principal himself. Stipe is coming out and saying, yeah, man, I had a size problem, but I'm going to fix it. I'm not going to get to 260. I'm not going to get to 265. I'm not going to get to what he weighs. I'm not even going to take advantage of the full weight class ramifications. I am going to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Now, that's really interesting, right? That's going to be some hard work. He's going to have to do it. But Stipe's made a lot of claims that to many of us seem crazy, and he's gone out and done them. So I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. And are you guys with me? That is a meaningfully different fight. You know, that wrestling exchange in that, Second fight that didn't work out for Stipe, that took a little energy out of Vengano, that one I referenced. That's different if you're talking about 20 pounds of muscle different. In the striking realm, it always favors a smaller guy. There's a reason Muhammad Ali was 198 pounds in his prime. There's a reason that Mike Tyson was 220 pounds in their prime. When you're striking, now you're dealing with endurance and you're also predominantly dealing with speed, which goes to the lighter guy. It's not true in wrestling. That's where the size starts to matter. So when you talk about MMA, which has a little bit of both, those grappling exchanges are going to go to the bigger guy. And if you were to look at Stipe versus Francis in that one grappling exchange, you're going to score that. If you understand wrestling, you're going to score that 0-0. The real score was advantage Francis because they both come out of it. There's no positional change, but one of them is now more tired. That was Stipe. Because even though he was doing the same thing, he's having to do it against a greater weight, right? I mean, I feel as though I'm, I'm, I'm telling you things that are very obvious, but you might not know. Might not know until you see it, so allow me to condescend. But it's true. And 20 pounds not only is likely to change that wrestling exchange, but it would most certainly draw back on the energy storage that Stipe had to put out. If you go out and you go into a wrestling contest, even with a guy who's the same size, and I'm talking about MMA, but you get into a wrestling exchange, the wrestler must succeed with the takedown, the positional advantage, but then he must hold him there for a couple of seconds. He's got to get a couple of deep breaths. In wrestling practice, we'll do something called a takedown drill. Wrestling live, hard wrestling, shake hands, takedowns only. You take him down, you let him back up, and we start over. You would never do take that. You might even see that in collegiate wrestling. You might see a guy in the NCAA tournament, take a guy down, let him go. Try to take him down again, let him go again. You might see that. You would never, ever, zero times have you ever or will you ever see that in MMA. You will never take a guy down and then let him go in MMA. Not only would that not make any kind of sense, but I'm sharing with you the energy that it takes out. There's a lot of things that will be different on Stipe if he got to 250. I'm making a big deal about that wrestling exchange, but that wrestling exchange was a big deal. When Stipe came out of that, he was a different guy. Even if only by a couple of degrees, he was a different guy. Took a lot out of him. He's not going to do that at 250, not to mention the ability to take a punch, not to mention the power on your own punches. Now, Stipe is going to need to practice this. Stipe is going to get tired a little bit faster. And his speed is going to change a little bit. He needs to work those kinks out in the room. 
I trust that he will. But if Stipe Miocic is about to dig in at this point in his life, change his physiology, up himself 20 pounds, I can't tell you guys how hard that is. I've had to lose weight in my life. But one time I had to gain weight. One time. Gaining weight was as hard and as trying mentally and physically as losing weight. I remember it very clearly. I, I used to have to get up earlier to have an extra meal. I used to have to stay up extra late to get extra calories in. There's something called Insure. It's kind of like a protein drink with some vitamins. I used to have those insurers and pound. I had them in my locker at school. I would drink them between cl- Oh, I'm telling you, the dedication, not to mention the uncomfortableness of always being full while trying to train, it's a lot. It's an undertaking by Stipe. And if anybody could do it, it would be Stipe. And that does make the fight a lot more interesting. I think you guys agree. And don't forget when we're talking about Stipe changing, we're talking about Stipe in Francis. You could insert a few different opponents there. Stipe versus Derek Lewis is probably going to happen. Stipe versus John Jones is a massive fight right now. They could make that fight right now. And John's in a position where John's going to need to remind people. Very soon, John is going to need to remind you how good he is. And we're hearing from his coaches, talking about John Jones's, how different he is how different he is in training with this new size, that his conditioning's held up, but his power is up. Oh, wait until you see him. Sure. That can only take you so far that we are going to need to see it. We're going to see it with our own eyes. And I don't think this narrative that John Jones needs to come around and he needs to do this fight for X, Y, and Z reward, and it has to be a title, and it has to be against Francis. I I don't think we, we should lock into that. I think that we need to show John a little bit of respect, a little bit of appreciation, which is it can be for a championship. It can be against Francis. It doesn't have to be. And I think it would be very interesting if we started thinking in those regards because that's where all of a sudden we start opening doors to a Stipe versus John Jones. Just by example. But there's a lot of really good matches. I feel that maybe with John... We're asking the wrong questions. Now, because all of the UFC 261 fallout, I haven't had a chance to talk some big news from last week. So coming up in a moment, I'll discuss Izzy Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori and why we shouldn't be too quick to write old angry Marvin off. But before we get there, here's a word about one of our sponsors. Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I have ever had. Spring has sprung, and there's nothing more important than keeping our bodies healthy as we transition from the colder months into the warmer ones. I have lots to juggle between my family and business, visiting with you guys, taking my son to practice, catching up on the podcast and non-stop coverage in the world of combat sports. And sometimes it's hard to practice daily nutritional habits between it all. There is a way and Athletic Greens is the key for me. It's a daily all-in-one superfood powder. One scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multi-mineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase energy and focus, help with digestion, 
and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. What a relief. Athletic Greens is my one stop for all of it. It's simple, it's easy. For you athletes out there, this product is NSF certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you like to eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. So whether you or a family member are looking for peak performance or better health, Covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com chael and join athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com chael and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Vittori versus Adesanya booked. Coming up in June, right, right around the corner, not even two months away. And story came out. Okay, make sure you follow the timeline because Dana said, I am going to offer this with, to Whitaker. If Whitaker does not take it, I will go to Vittori. He did just that. But there's a major lesson in how quickly these things happen, right? Dana said, here's what I am going to do. He made a phone call, didn't hear the word yes, made another phone call, did, and booked it. And you really do need to understand that this is the way that this sport and industry move. I mean, we're seeing guys that are holding things up. Why would Dana stay on that? Why would Dana call the guy he believes in Whitaker is the number one contender, if he gets a no, put the phone down and you've got to make another call. I mean, I only bring that to you because it's really important that you see this is very consistent. This is very much how things happen. Vittori is very much getting an opportunity because somebody else said no. That's fine. What's wrong with that? When Vittori's phone rang, Vittori said yes. I bring it to you because this is, this is a month removed from John Jones saying no. But there was no singling out. There was no special treatment for this is just the way it works. If you're on the phone with somebody who's giving you an answer that's opposite of the one that you need, you got to put the phone down. You got to make another call. That's just the way it works. So I'm just pointing this out for you because it does not take away from Vittori being the number one contender. He wasn't one phone call earlier. He is now, right? But do you, do you understand that? Like there's a lot that goes into being a number one contender. It's not just who did you beat or most recently or how you looked doing it or what the number is next to your name based on the uh, ranking system. It's not. The number one contender, there's a whole pie that goes into that and saying the word yes is ever bit as relevant slice of that pie as anything else. That's one thing that people don't take into consideration, but it's a very real thing. And Vittori is now officially in writing. It is no longer a debate. It is not a discussion. And even if he wasn't the guy, what moved him up? Not a punch, not a kick, not a win. Telephone call where he said the word, yes. I bring that to you because of the power within that word, but also the understanding things are time sensitive. We've got to go. We are moving and we are moving now. We are going to get this resolved today. And we're going to go in order, but either way, 
A name goes on that board today. It's important that you understand and it's important that you think of that in, in that regard. And meanwhile, I saw the odds came out. It's basically two to one, Adesanya, basically. But I was talking to my partner, Ryan, and he goes, well, Chael, do you think that Vittori could beat him? And I go, Ryan, do I think Vittori could beat him? Yes, I think Vittori could beat him based on Vittori's last fight where he beat him, according to one of the judges and Michael Bisping, who's a Hall of Famer in the division and happened to call the fight that night. I mean, only bring that to you because to act as though this is a foregone conclusion, I don't know what, what disrespect Vittori has gotten. And I, I do get the appreciation for Adesanya. We are seeing a rare talent there. But we're also seeing a willingness by Adesanya. Right, when you talk about being the greatest ever, the greatest evers do have a couple of things in common, which is not only did they beat a division, they beat it a second time. Right, it's the big thing that George St. Pierre did, which is why nobody can, can, can claim George's spot at the throne, at least of now. And Usman is starting to do it, but that's what the real greats do. The real greats beat them all and they come back and beat them again. It's just it's just the reality. That's just the way that it has always worked historically. And Adesanya is now in one of those moments. But I was asked a question, can Vittori beat him? My goodness, one licensed judge already thought that he did. A Hall of Famer in the division already thinks he did. The announcer of the fight who had the best seat in the house thought he did. This is with Vittori coming off the heels of having an all-time takedown record. That means that he got takedowns regardless of the round and regardless of the effort it took to get them. Takes a lot of energy. Vittori got a record. This is also on the heels of Adesanya suffering a defeat by being taken down. This is not, this is not uh, rocket science of any level. These boys are going to have to go fight. I see why Adesanya is the favorite. As much as I say one judge thought Vittori beat him, two other judges same night thought he didn't. I get it. But that's also why we need to have this rematch. And I would have anything but a foregone conclusion on this. I would very much be interested in how the training camps are. Because there's something in sport to be said for momentum. And Marvin is a very hungry guy. That's, that's very obvious. Just by his willingness to go out on short notice, into championship rounds, return fight, any opponent, different opponent, right? He's showing a willingness, but that willingness comes from a hunger, which comes from a drive. And that same hunger and drive took Adesanya to the top of the mountain. For me to question, does he still have it? Well, we're always going to question that. That's what we do to the greats. When you have a guy who has a level of success that you've only dreamed of, you do start to have, well, does he still have it? Because you're going to need it, right? Don't forget, this is a game of inches. And while Adesanya is meaningfully better, recognizably better than the night he fought Vittori, I think Vittori is too. I think Vittori of today kicks that Vittori's ass. I know that the Adesanya of today kicks that Adesanya's ass, but that, that really is part of the question here. Who does want it more now? Who's hungrier right now? And that's, that's a real question that can be quantified over time. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Great example, one that's fresh in your minds. But Conor did not want that as much the second time as he did the first. He could use all the right words. He could say that he did. He could take the physical actions. He could go to practice. He could cut the weight. He could fly over to Fight Island. But Conor would tell you, and I believe has. I believe Conor has told us. I believe that's what the trilogy and what this new fight with Poirier is about.
that Connor recognizes there was a time to dig deep. I did, but I didn't dig deep enough. Poirier, meanwhile, right? If we think that Connor's motivation's up, same thing is Poirier's come down. That's how you start to have the changing of the guard. It's not both guys are going up and one guy goes faster. It's a meeting of the minds. One guy comes down a little bit as the other guy goes up. I would imagine Adesanya, who is very ego-driven, is not crazy about the fact that he had that experience with Blahovich. I would imagine that Adesanya is extremely hungry, but it's a fair thing for me to bring up. Because it is going to be a little bit problematic, in my opinion. I'm surprised with the odds. I'm surprised with the odds in this regard. They only look at what happened in the last fight. Adesanya got taken down to lose. Vittori got takedowns to the extent of an all-time record to win. There's a real juxtaposition there. And contrary to what you may remember from the Holland-Vittori fight, Vittori got rocked bad. Bad. He just didn't show it. So a lot of you guys don't know what happened. Vittori's knees never buckled and Vittori never took a step backward. But he got tested on that chin and walked it down. So you may not have seen that it happened. But there is a relevance there. When you're dealing with Adesanya, you're going to get hit for sure. The great strikers, Robert Whitaker, the greats get hit. It's a matter of how they react. Anderson Silva, the great strikers get hit by Adesanya. He's just too damn quick. And he's tricky. And Vittori knows it. There was a story going into just this past Saturday, and it was a story set out by George Masvidal. But Masvidal said, in my first experience with Usman, I learned everything I need to know. Give me another shot and I can beat this guy. Regardless of if that happened or not, there's a lot of truth to that statement. There's a lot of truth where, to hell with what happened the first time, the second one's going to be very different. These are two very different fighters. I think you would agree with me there. Vittori is noticeably better now than he was then. But so's Adesanya. And historically, when a guy gets past, remember this, it's not they're both moving forward at a different rate. One guy comes down. That's what helps level the playing field as the other guy's coming up. Historically, I don't believe that's what we're seeing now. I believe you are going to see a very ready Izzy Adesanya. But you have to insult Adesanya the right way. If you do not insult him the right way, you do not get the best out of Adesanya. My guess... Though Izzy's been quite a gentleman, though Izzy's been rather quiet, my guess at the expediency of the champ accepting this match is that Adesanya is going to be in top form. Moving from angry Marvin to a guy that all of you get very angry about. So Jake Paul, on the back end of whatever that was with Cormier over the weekend, was doing an interview and is stating that he wants to fight Nate Diaz. Paul then came out and said his long-term plan is to end up in there with Connor. As a matter of fact, if I beat or after I beat, if I'm quoting him, Nate Diaz, nobody could deny me the Connor fight. All right, hold the thought. Few problems. Few problems. First off, and I see MMA fighters do this all the time too, they sit down and they decide who they're going to beat and in what order and what reward they will get for doing it. It never works. It absolutely never works, which is why I beg and plead with you guys to quit worrying about your ranking and focus on your placement on the card. And I can say it until my, my voice goes hoarse, it just doesn't end up happening that way. 
because MMA fighters get influenced by their managers and their managers don't know anything about MMA. It's just one of these tough things, but it's what keeps this circle going around. And I bring it to you because Paul's making the same mistake. If Paul thinks that getting a fight over Nate Diaz and or beating Nate somehow assures him of Connor, one's got nothing to do with the other. In fact, if he were right and he were to beat Nate, he would much more likely have just closed the book on any hope of being in there with Connor. Okay, you got to look at it from this perspective. None of these guys get to fight unless their promoter tells them they can. In the boxing world, that's called a co-promote. In this world, where you exclusive, where you, the athlete, are exclusive to an organization and the organizations don't work together, nor do they even show an interest that they want to, that's why co-promotes don't happen. They don't happen. So like when you were able to see Ben Askren, just so you understand this, this stuff's very obvious to me, but I sometimes have to remind myself. So I'm trying to break this down. When you saw Ben Askren come over and be able to fight Paul, that is because Dana released him. Now Dana would have every right and every fiduciary responsibility to make sure that he, Dana White, participates in that. He generously sidestepped. He generously released encouraged and allowed Ben Askren to go and do that. Now, things were very different. Ben Askren was all done fighting. By example, Ben Askren was not going to go into the octagon again. He was not looking to trade this date for this date or this participation for this participation, but it still was Dana's decision. Dana had every legal right to stop that, but he even had a fiduciary responsibility that he turned a blind eye to out of generosity out of absolute kindness. Now, I bring this to you because Nate Diaz does still have fights, and you would be trading a date, and you would be trading this event for this event. So I don't, that isn't something that Dana is likely to do absent of a co-promote, and Dana doesn't want to work with these guys. He's not going to co-promote it with them. I only bring to you because Dana even shut the book on this entire thing a week ago at a press conference, and he went as far as to say, I will have my lawyers get involved if you continue to talk to my fighters. Now, just so you guys know what that's about, you cannot do what's called interfere with a contractual agreement. That is a federal law. If somebody has a contract with somebody else, you cannot come and interfere with that. You could not come and recruit. You, you could not come in to a company, want an entire department, and come and do a raid. You can't do it if they have a contract. You have to be very careful, literally, with your words. A phone call could break a law. So Dana is watching these phone calls happen in front of his face and has been nice enough to let it go until the press conference where he finally stepped in and said, I got guys under contract, and you're attempting to interfere with that, and it's illegal. Get your own guys. You're so goddamn good at promoting, go get your own stable. It's what I had to do. If you think that it's so easy to make guys a wanted commodity, then just go do it with your own crew. It's what I had to do. And I'm not going to just hand them over to you, particularly after the product that Triller put out, which was embarrassing. Which sent the sport back 20 years. I mean, it was terrible. It was It was bad. It wasn't just hard to watch. It was embarrassing. I was uncomfortable. I did not want people to know that this is what I do. And I'm not a prude. 
I'm not prude on this stuff at all. I didn't want people to know that this is what I associate with. It was embarrassing. That's the right word. It was embarrassing. Dennis, I'm not having anything to do with it. I'm never doing this again. And by the way, don't talk to my guys or I will get lawyers involved. Dana has the right. And I'm only sharing this with you because if they are so goddamn good at what they do and if they can bring in so many pay-per-view and they can have so much interest, then go and do it with your guys. And that wouldn't involve a Nate Diaz. If you have an interest in, in rubbing elbows with Nate Diaz, there's a way to do that too, and that's called the Octagon. We could talk about your skill level, and we could talk about getting you a license, but then we could talk about putting that fight together. You're trying to do something over here with my athletes. I just want you to I just want you guys to understand. Because Dana touched on it and got off of it. But Dana also assumed, because that's the language he speaks every day, that perhaps you understood. And I want to explain why there's a difference. I have to make sure you understand that so that you can then understand my overwhelming point, which again ties back to Conor McGregor. That is a cash grab. We've seen what a good job Conor does of bringing attention, and that's what Paul sees. I'm aware that you understand that. But it still involves Dana, who has said, this is a sideshow. I'm not doing it. I helped them once, regrettably. Now that I have seen who and what they are, I'm out. And best of luck, but you will carry on without me. So when Jake talks about, I want Nate, and if I beat Nate, that will give me Connor. I'm just here to share with you guys that none of those things are true. And Paul is the ultimate troll. He has done nothing wrong in any of this. He did nothing wrong getting nose to nose with Daniel. He did nothing wrong dismissing Daniel's challenge of MMA and to focus on a guy 50 pounds smaller in Nate Diaz, I mean, that's a hard night out. There's no way to do Nate Diaz that's fun, and there's no way to do Nate Diaz that's gentle. That's a hard night out. I'm just speaking to a troll who is likely trolling, right? So that if if I fall for it, but I understand that I could be. I'm just not gonna take it with a grain of salt. I'm taking it at straight face value and explaining to you guys what the problem is, which is if the end goal is Connor, he is very right. Anybody can sell a Porsche. See, I, I see guys that do this all the time. <laughs> Anybody can sell a Ferrari. Bring me the guy that can get the Volvo off the lot. That's the car salesman. People do that all the time. If I was to make a big fight, I would put Connor McGregor in there with George Mosville. <laughs> oh my God, great job. Who? Move over Sean Shelby, right? I mean, come on. I'm not speaking about these obvious things, but it's the same thing that Dana's saying. Look, you act like this is an easy business. It's not. It's really hard. And it's so hard and takes so much work and so much thought and so much time that you're trying to come in on what I've done. You're trying to do it with my guys because you don't actually know what you're doing. Dana said all of these things, but he said them in about three words. So if you didn't know what he was saying, I'm going to explain. I'm going to expand for you. When Dana talks about, I have built the business, that's what he's talking You think this is easy? You think it's easy to have interesting characters, meaningful people, that other people will stop what they're doing and tune in to watch? Paul did that. He didn't do it through boxing. He did that through his YouTube success. Lesnar didn't do that in MMA, to use an example. He used that through his wrestling success. That's okay. CM Punk, it's, everything's fine. But we understand it's not about boxing. It's about entertainment. We understand that it's not about successes, it's about notoriety. And if you want to capitalize on that by coming and using my guys, I let you do it once, I saw what you did. I will not do it again, but if you're so good 
at what you do. Just do what I did. Go get your own guys. Write those checks every month. Make sure you use them three times a year as you're contractually obligated to do, including the years where they're not worth anything and you're losing money on them. It's called an investment. Go and do that. And in 20 years, I'm sure you'll have what I have. Instead of calling me, begging me, and having me release guys or not as good, not calling me, not asking me, and just trying to take my guys, which is a crime, which is what Dana talked about. So Paul is very much wrong if he believes beating Nate is going to get him closer to Connor. If Paul were mysteriously right, which he's not, if he were right that he's actually a really good boxer and could deal with some of these MMA guys, you're not going to get an MMA promoter that wants that to be revealed. Why would the MMA promoter want it revealed? Why would he want it known? Why do you think the boxing promoters aren't offering their guys? Top boxing pros aren't offering this because they're not sure they're right. They're not sure they got a real sport here. Maybe this is just about power and you're born with it or you're not. And if you jump rope a little bit and move around in front of a mirror, you have what it takes. Maybe that's what they're worried about. That's why they're not testing this. This is why top boxers are not coming and calling Paul out. They're inside going, man, maybe, maybe he could beat me at this. I mean, I'm just sharing with you what the problem is. I'm also sharing you what Dana was speaking about. And I'm also sharing with you because Paul is doing a good job of doing a sport that he loves, doing it in a high spot, doing the hard work. I don't just mean in the gym. I mean in front of the cameras. Everybody wants to do a photo shoot until you show up and you got to do it for a day. It's not fun. It's not great and glamorous like you thought it was going to be. It's mind-numbingly painful, but he's doing it. He's doing a very, very good job. Paul's also trying to act as though, and this, see, I, can never, I never know where the troll is. I acknowledge that Paul's a very smart guy, but I don't know how smart he is. So that's why I feel that I got to come in and correct him. I got to be the scholar in the room. Perhaps he's working. I will disclose that. But when Paul comes out like the white knight, that's going to come in and save guys' purses and act as though what Dana White is doing is wrong. And he came out and said, you come and box me and you'll make more money than you have ever wealth. Stop right there. First off, okay, you got to understand what he's attempting to tell you, the message he's attempting to tell you. But let's look at the words that he actually used. Paul is not equal partners. Paul is not cutting anybody, Askren most recently or whoever will be next, in on it. He is not looking out for them in the least. He is taking absolutely everything and whatever scraps are left behind is what you end up with. But because it's more money than you have made anywhere else, he's done everything right. No, he's coming in a greedy, selfish prick and he's got the right to do it. He's leaving with more money than you got anywhere else. Dana could say that about all 556 guys under contract. And the last paycheck he handed, all 556, is a larger paycheck than they've ever gotten before. Oh, and guess who the one that he just beat? Was him. He is the one paying them more time next time than he ever did the previous time. And it's more than they could get absolutely anywhere else. So it's the same mindset. Paul is attempting to justify how he is cutting up this pie. Not in conjunction with what he's taken home. Not even a rough percentage of what he's taking home. You are not his partner. You are there to be his pawn. He is then justifying it because it's more than you could make elsewhere. It's the exact same mindset. It's the exact same mindset that he's attempting to argue against. 
Nobody that's under contract in the UFC has ever gotten more anywhere else. That part of the story seems to be left out. The biggest check that they've ever gotten only gets surpassed by the previous biggest check they'd ever gotten, who was written by the same guy, Dana White. Before I head out for the weekend, I've got one thing to get off my chest. You know what? I'm just about done. I am just about to give up on this. There is one person alive who is keeping the BMF dream a thing, and it's me. And you guys aren't helping me. What am I missing here about opportunity, about having another championship? What am I missing about testing something at the Mecca, selling it out completely, bringing in world leaders and Hollywood's biggest star? I mean, what, what is it that I'm missing that we wouldn't go out and duplicate that? Why, why am I alone? But I am, and I'm just about to stop. This is my cry for help. I'm threatening that I'm going to walk away. But understand, if I do, it goes. I am the only one. So if you want me, if you want to remit, you guys got to back me up here and I'm not getting any help. Look, I think we need to go further with it. I don't think it's as simple as, oh yeah, someday when Masvidal de decides to defend it again, or if we ever get Masvidal and Nate again, I don't think so. I think there's a section. I think there's a section that need to be separated from the UFC and put into the BMF. I'm, I'm looking at the fact that Diego is out with his fight with Cowboy, Diego would qualify as well. By the Cowboy Cerrone's a BMF. Throw him in the bracket. You're telling me that Nick Diaz is coming back? Guess what, guys? Nick's not going to be a champion or a championship contender. Throw him in the BMF bracket. George Masvidal is the BMF because nobody's taken it from him. He got to go into the bracket. I think when we start looking at things this way, what is Carlos Condit doing? Does he still have an active contract? Boom, he needs to go into the bracket. I mean, all of a sudden, we start to have this BMF. Let's work this thing out, even if it's an eight-man. That's what I am proposing for you. I am proposing that we get eight guys together, we start in a quarters, we go to a semis, and we get to a final, even if it has to be done outside of the organization. Don't forget, that is how Eddie Alvarez... And Justin Gaethje went about fighting for the UFC's most violent man. I thought that I thought that that was set by the promotion. They did such a good job. Eddie and Gaethje did such a good job with marketing that I thought that's what they, I talked to Eddie Alvarez like six or seven days before that fight. At which point he revealed to me that no, he. He created that, and it just happened to catch on. I bring that to you because you get these boys together, you identify yourself, we the smart marks, we'll follow it. We will follow it if, in fact, Masvidal makes himself part of it and hands that trophy over. If you guys don't want to recognize it, the boys will figure it out themselves, but that trophy really means something. You guys know where this came from? There used to be a time in this world, it was very important to be a good fighter or to have a good fighter amongst you, but you used to be fighting over land or life. Somebody rode into your village or town, you had to fight them or they would take your life or they take your property or both. So now we live in this world, we don't have land or life. It's not an actual fight. It's not an actual fight to the end, but we call this sport a fight, but we have to be fighting for something. So they put a belt up and guess what? You get guys to change their life trying to get a hold of that belt. One of them talking to you right now who would sacrifice everything, put everything on hold to try to have this belt. That in truth, it's not a real fight. And in truth, it doesn't really matter if you have or not. Well, it does to some of us. Some of us, it means a lot. And that's completely up to Masvidal. 
They don't have to put that in the contract. They don't have to put that on the marquee. Masvidal has to put that out there, the same as Gaethje and Alvarez did. They both agreed to it, and they both agreed to live with the result. That is sportsmanship at its finest. We agree on something. I tip my head or you tip yours to me, and we walk away. But this is the way it is. And the grudge can continue, and the personal animosity can continue. But the respect to what we agreed upon ahead of time will also stay intact. I bring that to you because I submit. I'm just about done. I am just about to, People need to be calling out Masvidal for the belt, or they demand that he vacate the belt. But they need to treat it like any other belt. I would be demanding you come after. And by the way, I make a very fair point. I have another point here, right? This whole thing has an underlapping tone, which is we have certain guys that are not going to qualify for the standards of the organization, which is champions and contenders only. We have other guys who have done enough, and because of their laurels and because of our appreciation to them, not to mention we really like to see them again, and they don't want to quit showing us stuff. Nobody ever wants to be done with sport. You never wake up and go, I'm done with sport. One day you wake up and you find out the sport's done with you. But there is a group of these guys who would still like to do it. They can still do it at a high level. They can still command a big price, a big spot on the card. But in many ways, they need to find each other. They need to start challenging each other. Okay, well, now what's it about? What do you mean what's it? It's about the belt that George is sitting on. Masvidal has every right to say, if I had a championship, guys, and I never had to defend it, I never would. The history books would always have to say, I was the champion. And if someday they brought it back, they'd still say, but Chael held the belt longer than anybody. I mean, do you understand this? You can't do this. There has to be a lineage. There has to be an opportunity. I know that belt exists because I was there. I watched it get put around the waist. I know that it still exists because nobody's taken the belt. And it's not about, well, then Kamar Usman's a champion. No, it's not. It doesn't work that way. It has to be set ahead of time. I don't make the rules, but these are the rules. It has to be stated ahead of time. It wasn't stated. Masvidal is the BMF. People need to start challenging him for it. He needs to put that belt up or chill who's absolutely elastic. I'm on third base wearing a catcher's mitt. You guys have abandoned me. And I'm threatening you. Because if you don't get behind me, I'm abandoning it. Last warning. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I just wanted to thank all of you for continuing to download and listen to every show every Wednesday and Friday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Reyes fight. I will be back next Wednesday to discuss it. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.